to the book of Galatians chapter 5. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, reading 16 through 18, and then we will finish out the remainder of this chapter, looking today, uh, God willing, under the title, Walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we thank you for uh, what we have felt in this place thus far. Lord, we ask that you move in the remainder of this service as well. Lord, now that our hearts are prepared to hear from you, Lord, we ask that you speak to us now. Use me as a vessel of clay, Lord, to, uh, to say what needs to be said. Lord, fill my mouth with your words. Lord, I ask this in your name. Amen. Word of God reads like this, chapter 5 of Galatians, starting in verse 16, says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Thank you for standing uh, this morning. This is really one big <laughs> message starting last week, this week, God willing, next week. We laid a foundation last week on these verses. Uh, the, today we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit or walking in the Spirit or practicing the virtues of God. And next week, we are going to talk about what it means to crucify the flesh. That is to execute that part of me that is not God-like. Uh, the Word of God would tell us that none of this is possible unless His very Spirit indwells in us. So before we can talk about actually applying the Word of God and doing the work of a Christian, we have to lay down what it is to be a Christian. This is a very important passage. All of it is important. This is a very important passage because this, uh, Paul uses words like, if you are like this, and he gives a list, the works of the flesh. If you are like this, then you do not inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty important, right? We need to establish that we're not like this, but that we are like this. And he gives another list. So we have the works of the flesh, and we will read them. And we have the fruit of the Spirit. The cool thing about this is that the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit is completely opposite of one another. So you can't get them confused. I can't sit here or stand here this morning and look at myself and go, am I or am I not? You either are or you're not. You're either practicing godly things or you're practicing sinful things and you are what you are. Paul said that to, of himself. I am what I am, right? And we can say that of ourselves today as well. So today our text means to show us that uh, what it means to live as a Christian. This isn't what we 
say. This isn't I say I'm a Christian, so I am a Christian. This is living by those Christian virtues, those Christian values. To walk means to practice. So if I walk in something, that is what I am practicing doing. Okay, To walk in Christianity or to practice Christianity. Remember last week I said that the remainder of this letter to the Galatians is Paul's application, his practical application to what it means to live free from the law and under Christ. So that's what we're doing this week, God willing, next week. It's, it's all practical application. What I say today and what I say next week must be shown in your life or the Word of God says that you are not one of His. This is pretty important stuff. For us who are Christians, are we upholding what we truly are? For some of us here today uh, who may not be Christians, is that evident in your life as well? So today, it's to be infield, to walk in godliness is to be infilled first with the Spirit of God and to be fulfilled in the Spirit of God. We need an indwelling and then we need an infilling, a fulfillment of the Spirit of God so that I can walk in godliness. We fail at this. Uh, this is practical application, right? No, none of this is perfect, <clears throat> but there needs to be a struggle. The, the struggle needs to be real if we're going to use something that we would all understand. There needs to be a conflict of my sinful nature who is yet to be crucified fully and the nature of God who is helping to crucify this flesh. There is a conflict. You can say this morning, Lord, why is it so hard some days? Why do I strive so hard even against myself? It's because you've been changed. The struggle is important because if the struggle isn't there, you're not warring against anything. The battle has been won and you are on the wrong side of the line. If you are still battling today, if you woke up this morning and there was thoughts that come through your head, it would be so cool just to roll back over or I got this to do, I got that to do, I could do this, I could do that. But at the same time, there's something bubbling up inside of you saying, no, get up, put your pants on, brush your teeth, get to the house of God, do what you know to do is right and you will not sin before God. It's a struggle. Amen. We can praise God in the struggle. Because that means that there is something actually happening inside you and I. Today we look at Christianity, practically applied. What does it actually mean to say you're a Christian and to back that up? Okay? <clears throat> this is what it looks like to truly be a Christian. And we must look at this text with humility because like I said... It makes sure our profession of faith is really a conversion, making all things new. This is an important text this morning. So it's either one of these two things. You either have a profession of faith with a real conversion, 
or you have a perversion of faith playing with fire as we act holy but produce nothing worthy of the calling that we claim. You either produce fruit because you're in the root. For those of you who take notes, that's a good one. You produce fruit because you are of the root or you produce flesh because you're of the flesh. What, what we are planted in, what we are grounded in, is what comes up. Amen? Word of God would say that. What's inside of a man must come out of the man. We can pretend for a while. We can dress things up. Plenty of preachers have used the analogy. You can, you can clean a pig up, put a dress on it, put makeup on the pig. It's still a pig. You let the pig go, it's going right back to the mud, right? And that is true for us. However we want to think of ourselves this morning as good and holy and godly as we are as Christians, if God was to take his hand off of our life, we would be right back, not tomorrow, today in our sinfulness. Take God out of your life and all you're left with is you. And you have failed miserably at producing good things in your life. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? That verse doesn't just mean I can lift really big weights. It means that I can walk in the Spirit. That I've been given power, right? And authority over my own life to say no to sin and to say yes to God. Have you ever wondered what power and what authority you've been given? All power, all authority has been given to Christ, but as His church, as a part of Him as the body of Christ, we have power and authority too. And it isn't to say yes and amen to whatever I want, but it is to say no to me and yes to Christ. I'm not the only one saying this this morning. I have a few quotes throughout the years. Uh, John Bunyan lived from 1628 to 1688. He says this, at the day of doom, men shall be judged according to their fruit. It will not be said then, did you believe, but were you doers or talkers, or talkers only? Jonathan Edwards, one of the greatest theologians of, of uh, our country for sure, 1703 to 1758, he said this, All the fruit of the Spirit which we are to lay weight upon as evidential of grace, are summed up in charity, our Christian love, because this is the sum of all grace. So remember I said they're opposites. The fruit of the Spirit is birthed out of love. You ready? The works of the flesh is birthed out of selfishness. To be a Christian is to be loving Loving to your God, loving to your fellow man, loving to anyone and anything, and to be in your flesh is to be selfish only for me. Only for me. George Whitfield, one of the greatest evangelists probably ever, other than Jesus himself, says uh, from 1714 to 1770, he said this, I'm glad you know when persons are justified. It is a lesson that I have not yet learned. So he's being a little tongue-in-cheek here. 
I am glad that you know when persons are justified. It is a lesson that I have not yet learned. There are so many stony ground hearers who receive the word with joy that I have determined to suspend my judgment till I know the tree by its fruit. That makes me so cautious now, which I was not 30 years ago, but dubbing converts too soon. I love now to wait a little. It's funny how the fruit of the Spirit is patience, right? I love now to wait a little and see if people bring forth fruit. For there are so many blossoms which March winds you know blow away that I cannot believe they are converts till I see fruit brought back. It will never do a sincere soul any harm. So what he's saying is for someone who is truly converted, waiting a little bit to see is only going to produce fruit. Waiting a little bit to see what somebody professes is actually true is going to show forth who we really are. There's nothing wrong with saying yes and amen. If somebody stood up this morning and we did, let's do a testimony service. Somebody stood up and said, I am saved. I'm born again. We say yes and amen. And we watch. We, we, we watch by faith for the fruit to be brought back because God is never fruitless. He always produces fruit in the heart of a Christian. John Piper, he's still around today. So we went from 1628 to current. The mentality behind the fruit of the Spirit is the mentality of faith depending upon grace. People who bear the fruit of the Spirit know they are worthy only of condemnation. They know that the only pay they can earn is the wrath of God. Therefore, they have turned away from self-reliance and looked upon the mercy of Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Galatians 2 and 20. They do not expect anyone to be their debtor because of their worth. Any sanctification will be a free gift of grace. They bank on the mercy of God and entrust themselves to his spirit for help. And out of that mentality of faith, depending on grace, grows not works, but fruit. Did you understand that this morning? There is so much to be said for being rooted and grounded in Christ. Because that is how fruit will be produced. If we are rooted and grounded in selfishness, love is never produced. And if love is never produced, we go back to our previous messages which says, if you do not love, then the love of God is not in you. And you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So let's read this morning, picking up at verse 19. Now remember, verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So a lot of times Paul does this. He does this in Corinthians. He does this here where he's about to lay down some really hard stuff, but he thinks better of us, right? We are talking to Christians this morning. I would hope, I would pray that everybody here under the sound of this voice is saved, sealed to the day of redemption. But if you're not, listen to what I'm about to say. You can be 
If, if you uh, look within yourself right now and say, there is no way that I can produce anything that we're about to read that shows God in my life, you can. You can. Repent. Believe the gospel. Put your faith and trust in Christ Jesus. You're going to be uprooted, and it's going to hurt. But it's going to be for the betterment of you, because you're going to be planted. You're going to be grafted in to the root of Jesse, to Christ himself, and you will produce fruit. How can you say that, Pastor? Because Jesus Christ prayed for that. He prayed for that, for all who would believe. Do you realize that we've been predestined as his church to be formed into his image, to grow fruit? Verse 19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envyings, drunkenness, coercions, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What rules your life? What rules your life? But, you've heard me talk about that three-letter word throughout the Bible. This is a big one. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Verse 16, verse 25. He echoes himself. But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of your flesh. Verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, we must practice godliness we must or he will literally tear us apart doesn't have to be that way he will chasten those who need chastening but we could just walk by the spirit we could choose godliness and be a little less sinful preaching to myself as well so let's look at this faith applied works denied that's that's what i'm calling faith applied works denied we live this life by faith. Nothing has changed. No, nothing has changed. We live this life by faith. I believe, even though I am not worthy, that I will produce godliness in my life. And the only reason I believe that is because God himself has said that I will. And if he has said that we will, then you better believe he has given us the power to do so. I do not have to live by my own vices, I can say no. And so can you. But there has to be an infilling of something. We can't just expect to rip things out of our life and live as empty vessels. There are things that come out of this ripping. Believers have the indwelling spirit of Christ, the comforter, 
right? He's called who proceeds from the Father. That's John 15 and 26. There's no way to cover all of these verses today. Go back and listen, uh, read through all of these. So believers have the indwelling spirit of Christ, the comforter who proceeds from the Father. John 15 and 26. The Holy Ghost assists believers in prayer, Jude 1 and 20, and intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God Himself, Romans 8 and 27. He also leads the believer into righteousness. We've read that this morning, Galatians 5, 16 through 18. He produces his fruit in those yielded to him. Galatians 5:22 and 23. Believers are to submit to the will of God and walk in the spirit to practice godliness. Practicing righteousness and shunning all that is not holy unto the Lord. A walk in the Bible is often a metaphor for, for practical daily living. All of us got up this morning and we walked. You walked to the bathroom, you walked to the kitchen, you walked to the closet, you walked to your car, you drove here, you got out of your vehicle, you walked in. We've all walked. Walking is a daily occurrence for most people in this world. It is a daily occurrence for those who are in the Spirit as well, we must walk in the Spirit daily. We make a consistent forward progress. Amen? That, that's, that's what it is to practice godliness or to walk in the Spirit is to make a consistent forward progress. Sometimes slow, sometimes fast, but a consistent forward progress process. The biblical norm for all believers is that they walk in the Spirit. Verse 25 again, if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. You can't decouple both of those. You can't say that I live in Christ and I don't walk after Christ. You, you can't say that I am a Christian and I don't practice Christianity. You can't say that I have all of the Spirit of God in me and you produce no fruit. It's an impossibility. We don't like to hear this sometimes because it really it really breaks down ourselves. Am, am I really showing forth the things that have been birthed in me? And we all fall short of this. We, we really do. I don't love properly. I don't have patience when I'm supposed to. Self-control is a hard thing uh, for me, right? And we're going to look at all of that. In other words, the Spirit gave us life in the new birth. That's John 3 and 6. And we must continue to live day by day in the Spirit. A child who is born continues to live. Right? They, they live every day. Uh, for 35 years and a few days now, I've been waking up every morning and I've been living. I've been sucking air. I've been consuming things. I've been expelling things. I've been gaining experiences. I've been losing things, gaining things. I live every day. Some days, doesn't feel like I'm living, but I'm still here. Other days, it feels like nothing can touch me. What I feel like I'm actually living, right? I'm getting to do what I want to do. 
You know, I'm on top of the world. And then it seems like the next day, that day didn't mean anything. Today's a new day. It's the same in the spirit. Tomorrow is going to be a different day, y'all. We need God tomorrow. Just as I need him today, just as I needed him yesterday. And as long as I continue to live, I have to walk in the spirit. Maturing into spiritual men and women of God for his service. That's what we're called to do. We all come into this as babes. But we're not expected to stay that way. Same as in nature. Everything comes into this world as a baby. But they're not expected to stay that. Right? Animals, kids, they're they're all expected to grow. And it's not too much for God to ask that we do the same thing in the spirit. To grow into maturity. To walk in the Spirit means that we yield to His control. We follow His lead. And we allow Him to exert His influence over us. To walk in the Spirit is is the opposite of resisting Him or grieving Him. Ephesians 4 and 30. It's the opposite again. To walk in the Spirit is not to grieve the Spirit. To operate in the works of the flesh is to grieve the Spirit. Galatians 5 explains the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer. The context is freedom from the law of Moses, 5 and 1. Those who walk in the Spirit eagerly await by faith the righteousness which we have hope. That's verse 5. We are free from the law, verse 18. Also, those who walk in the Spirit will not carry out the desires of the flesh, verse 16. They are so opposed to each other that if I am walking in the Spirit, I cannot walk in the flesh. Turn that around. That's a very positive thing. If I'm in God, I'm in God, and I can't be me. But that doesn't really apply practically, does it? Because I am walking in God. I am full of His Spirit, and I failed. It's because the flesh hasn't been crucified yet. That's next week. Give y'all time to sit on that, ponder and read and study. There's a reason why we are called to crucify the flesh. That's execution. Because this flesh doesn't want to die. It's not going to lay down on its own. There is a work to do. We must execute the desires of this flesh. Teleo, that's Greek, that's verse 16, means to gratify or complete or indulge in. So let's look at verse 16. But I say, walk in the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So carry out right there is teleo in Greek. It means to gratify, complete, indulge in. So if I'm walking in the Spirit, I will not indulge in the flesh. If I'm walking in the spirit, I'm not going to gratify my fleshly desires. I'm going to try and gratify those desires which God has given me. If I am walking in the spirit, I'm not going to complete the temptations that come. The temptations are temptations. They're there for a reason. It's because I am struggling with something and we cannot stop them from coming, but we can resist them. We do not have to complete them. And that is the hardest thing in the life of a Christian is to 
crucify that. I really want, a desire is a strong thing. There has been so much that has happened in this world just because of desires. The lust of flesh is the hardest thing to crucify because I really, really, really like it. I desire it. I desire to have the things that I want, whether they be good for me or bad for, or good, or bad for me. But we must. Literally to bring to completion the will set against God. That hits home. So gratify the flesh. Yeah, I know I'm not supposed to do that. Complete the flesh. Yeah, okay. Well, you can actually take that and say, well, I can dabble in it. I just don't have to complete it. You know, I could just play with it a little bit. I can just try and satisfy my flesh. Just, just kind of know it's there, but then just not complete it. It's like a kid with their hand in the cookie jar. They know they can get away with one, but they want it all. I remember as a kid, I've always been this, just a little shorter. And uh, there was cookie jars, there was uh, sweet breads, there was yellow cake. There was always something on the table. Like when you went to Momo's house, there was just always something on the table, whether it be a, a biscuit from, from the morning with some cane syrup. or There was always something there. Right. And when you come into the house, it was just how we grew up. You were greeted with a hug and a kiss. Hey, how are you? I'll come in. Here's some coffee here. Have a, a piece of cornbread. Or have, They always had something to, to give you. Right. People don't do that anymore. And it really is a sad thing because that that in itself is a Christian virtue to just give. Just here. Take it. Right. And sometimes you'd be like, I don't we just got up from our table. I don't. But you did anyway, because it was Momo and. He couldn't say no to my mom. But that was fine, see, because that was given. That, that was there for your pleasure. Your desires could be fulfilled in whatever was on that table. But don't go digging in that, that cupboard. Don't go put your head in the, in the icebox and root around and look for something. Foods on, the, foods on the stove. Don't fill yourself up with those sweets. Right, and you may get away with it once. That little piece of sweet sweet bread, Woo. that biscuit with that cane syrup. All right, homemade fig preserves, whatever it would be. You may get away with it once. You may get away with it twice, but eventually you got caught with your hand where you shouldn't be, and it all started from this desire of I want, and I know I'm not supposed to, but I'll just. I'll just play around with it a little bit. You can't do that. So literally, what that Greek word means and what verse 16 means is that if we walk by the Spirit, you will not bring to completion your will that's set against God's will. But you will conform to His will. That's, that's what it means to be a Christian. If somebody asks you, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means to set aside that which isn't godly and to cling to that which is. Now, what does that look like? We could be here all day talking about what that looks like. But that is the essence of Christianity. It is that I no longer live for me, but I live for another. I no longer believe that I am the center of the universe because I've been shown the center of the universe. 
And that's where my heart is. And I have to walk daily to get there. Believers, when the flesh is in charge, the results are obvious. Verses 19 through 21. Don't think because you're saved that you can't indulge in this. Works of the flesh are still evident. They're still there. But there has to be a greater. But when the Spirit is in control, we produce godly qualities within us, apart from the restrictions of the ceremonial law. Believers have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, verses 24. And now we walk in the Spirit, verse 25. So those who walk in the Spirit are united with Jesus, united with Him, and are bearers of the fruit that the Spirit produces. So let's look for just a few moments at what it is that we are to bear. If I look at you in your life, and here's the gracious thing, don't have to see all of these fruit evident. I just need to see one. I may be really lacking in self-control, but I love you. Right? I, I may have had an outburst of anger because of the situations and things like that, but almost immediately I felt horrible about it and I, I sought forgiveness, right? That there needs to be evidence of this somewhere in your life. And as you mature, there is more and more and more evidence, right? So as we read through these, if you're like, I can't check that one off. That's what you pray about. You know what? The Lord has really moved in my life and, and, and I really do have inner peace right now about my salvation. Praise God. Pray about the other things. Right? So those who walk in the Spirit are united with Him and were bearers of this fruit. Those who walk in the Spirit practice love. Everything comes out of charity, comes out of love. They live, remember this is practical application, so what does that mean, to practice love? Well, that's not just saying I love you. That, that, that This is what it means. They live in love for God, and because of their love for God, it flows out to the fellow man. There is a greater commandment, and one is such like that. Love God and love others, right? Paraphrase, but that's what Jesus said. If there is no love for God, there is no love for your fellow man. You're selfish. You're left to your own vices, and you fail. Those who walk in the Spirit practice joy. They exhibit gladness in what God has done, is doing, and will do. That does not mean that you're happy every day. Say that again because that hits hard with me. I can walk in joy and be downtrodden. I can walk in the, the joy of the Lord with a heart of thanksgiving and just in deep despair about the situations in my life right now. We, we do both. This is practical application. It would be super cool to just say, you can walk in the joy and everything will be fine. But that's not life. We have sorrow. We have seasons of horrible feelings in our life. 
but we need to walk in joy. We need to exhibit at least gladness in what God has done. I don't like the, where I am right now. I don't like what's happening. I don't like what's going on. But, but God saved me. I'll hold on to that. If nothing else, I, I'm forgiven. What you'll soon start to find is that there's something that bubbles up on the inside of you. It doesn't make things go away, but you can bear them. You can bear them. That's all God has ever promised us, is in this life of horribleness, we can bear it. We can bear it. We endure to the end. Those who walk by the Spirit practice peace. Their lives are not defined by worry or anxiety. Philippians 4 and 6. That doesn't mean that we don't have anxious days, that we're not worried at times, but that is not what defines you. Those who walk in the Spirit practice patience. They are known for having a long fuse. Can we all raise our hand? No. <laughs> no. Can we at least raise our hand and say, mine's longer than whenever I first started this walk? then praise God. Fruit's growing. Fruit's growing. What started off as a little seed has come up into a bush, has put off flowers, and there's a little fruit coming now. We don't lose our tempers. Those who walk in the Spirit practice kindness. They show tender concern for the needs of others. Those who walk in the Spirit practice goodness. Their actions reflect virtue and holiness. Where you were bent towards ungodliness or not good, now you are bent towards goodness. Those who walk in the Spirit practice faithfulness. They're steadfast in their faith of God and His Word. That does not mean we could do this on every one of them, but I'm only doing this on the ones that seem to bother me at times. That does not mean that we never doubt. That does not mean that we allow Satan to buffet us and to put thoughts in our head and we ponder them too far or too long and then we have to work our way back into right faithfulness. But that means that I always come back to faithfulness. That I always come back to faithfulness. We're steadfast in our trust in God. God, I don't know how I got to the, where I am, but Lord, I need you. I need you. I, I, I stand here fully aware that I did what's happening, but I need you. I need you. Those who walk by the Spirit practice gentleness. Their lives are characterized by humility, by grace, by thankfulness to God. Just go read your Beatitudes. Fruit of the Spirit, Beatitudes. Pretty much the same thing. Parallels here. And then lastly, I think Paul done this on purpose. Those who walk by the Spirit practice self-control. And that really is what we're talking about here. If you have to pray about any fruit to be bearing on your tree, self-control is the fruit that we need. We need. I need self-control 
with my fellow believers. I need self-control with my wife. I need self-control with my kid, with my family, with my friends. Surely with the unbelievers, we need self-control. We need to not act like the world wants us to act. And that takes self-control. That takes a biting of the tongue. Sometimes it almost feels like you may bite the thing off, but you would be better to do that. You would be better to do that. They display moderation, constraint, the ability to say no to flesh. We'll pick up on that next week. Those who walk in the Spirit rely on the Spirit. If I am practicing spiritual things, then I need the Spirit. I need Him. And some days when you find it hard, that's because you need to stop what you're doing and you need to be infilled with the Spirit again. That's not a new baptizing. That's not what we're talking about. But I am fleshly today and I need more Spirit. I, I, need, I need you. We rely on the Spirit of God to guide us through thought, through word, and through deed. Romans 6, 11 through 14, we will read that one. It says this, even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin. Can anybody in this room say that you are completely, totally dead to sin? You'd be a liar, and that's sin if you did. That's not me, that's 1 John. If you have a problem with him when you make it to heaven, you can talk to him about it. You won't have a problem with it then. You will be sinless. You can, for the first time in your life and for the rest of eternity, say, I have no sin. But you got to make it. But alive to God in Christ. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin. That didn't say you was, but it says to consider yourself. Did, did you catch that? I'm not dead to sin, but I need to consider myself dead to sin. That means that I exert self-control over the situations. No, you're supposed to be dead. Get, get back in the grave. Get, no, you're, you're not supposed to be alive. Get behind me. You can even quote that scripture because the word would say that the works of the flesh are rooted in satanic devices. So you could look at yourself in the mirror like that meme does, Look at yourself in the mirror, get that pointy finger going, and say, get behind me, Satan. If Jesus could look at Peter, the one who he was going to build his church on, right? That's, that's like a super awesome verse. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. He just said you're the Christ, right? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So Peter is getting revelatory information from God. And then the very next verse, he says, get behind me, Satan. There's two natures involved here. One of them is of God and one of them is not. One of them needs to die and the other needs to live. And we need to consider ourselves a citizen of heaven, an heir of grace, and to crucify that which is not. Verse 12, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you will obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members 
as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you. Praise God. For you are not under law, but under grace. So we show daily, moment by moment, holiness. Those who walk in the Spirit follow the Spirit's lead. They let the Word of Christ dwell in them richly. Colossians 3 and 16. And the Spirit uses the Word of God for teaching, rebuke, correction, training to righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.16 So as we stand this morning, a Christian's whole way of life is lived according to the rule of the gospel. As the Spirit moves us towards obedience. When we walk in the Spirit, we find that our sinful appetites of the flesh don't have any dominion over us anymore. Where I would fall every time, I can say no now. If I had to put a pen in one of the strongest things that Satan blinds us to in the Spirit is that we can't say no. Well, you remember what you was. You remember how hard that was for you. You know what your weaknesses are. You call yourself a Christian and, and you remember what you did. And if we're, care, if we're not careful, we'll actually ponder that. And what you find is he's not lying. Satan is the father of all lies, but he doesn't have to lie about our sin. We're sinful. And we was that. But as Paul told the Corinthians... You were. Such were some of you, but we're not that anymore. And the moment you realize that and apply that to your life, that I can say no to myself and I can walk in God, Satan has no power. He has no foothold. When I, when I choose to rid myself of desires that are not godly, Spirit reigns in our life. And where the Spirit is, He cannot be. Satan can't be there. I want, I want God to reign in my life. I want Him to rule over my life. And I'm standing here this morning telling you that I, I need help. I need help in that. And we would all be humble enough to say, me too. Me too. Here's the cool thing. God knows that. And He's still choosing to be a part of your life. So, so just fall into Him. These altars are open this morning. Lord, as we ponder and talk about and think about the, the heaviness of our flesh, help us to understand that although it was what reigned in our life, that that is not true anymore in the life of a Christian. That we can choose you, that you have empowered us through your Spirit to choose good, godly things. Lord, I ask that you help each and every one of us to, to do that. To just walk in the Spirit that you have given us. 
to practice godly things, to practice righteousness, and to shun all those things that are not like you. Lord, I ask for each and every one of us to be, to be empowered with self-control. Lord, if there's ever a fruit that we need on our tree, that's it. Lord, to root and ground us in love for you and help us to show that and freely give it because it's been freely given to us, Lord. I ask this in your name. Amen.